This is Air Off Short Stories, where you will hear tales that take science to plausible extremes or reality to the magical. Episode 8, Peyton Trent, Son of God, by Devin DeMarco, and performed by guest actor Lorian Reese. Welcome. I'm your host, Judah Mahay. If this is your first time listening, then thank you, and I hope you return to enjoy more of the stories we discover. Our author, Devin DeMarco, we've heard one other story by her, and this next one I'm sure will be just as much of a pleasure. After today's episode, you can find show notes with any relevant links at judamahay.com. If you like what you hear, please review us on iTunes or the Judah Mahay smartphone app. This will help other people find Arrow Short Stories. Now, let the story begin. Peyton Trent, Son of God, by Devin DeMarco. Peyton Trent was the Son of God. Well, it's probably more accurate to say he was a Son of God, because he wasn't unique in his godly lineage. God has fathered and mothered many children, and all but two have been a massive disappointment. Peyton was, in no uncertain terms, one of these disappointments. God blamed God, really. God had stopped setting up expectations for their children long ago, and holy children without expectations tended to float adrift and cosmic, too heavenly to care about humanity, too human to care about heaven, and absolutely no motivation to do much else with their universe-warping abilities than secure themselves an endless supply of wine. Although it wasn't a lack of expectations, maybe it was the parentage. The first holy mother had been chosen carefully. God had nudged her towards existence generations before her actual birth. She had been made for her child, and she filled her role beautifully. Peyton Trent's holy mother, however, was a random tart. This wasn't an insulting thing to be by any means. Where the first holy mother was deliberate, Peyton's mother had been a beautiful pluck of probability, wholly unplanned by God, wholly her own being. Her odds of existing had been one in ten trillion, yet there she was, alive and real and touching God's world and worming her improbable way into God's heart. She was random. She was also a tart. She'd worn a slutty nun outfit and assured God that she was on birth control. Nine months later, there was a new holy mother and a new divine child. Peyton Trent's mother was endlessly pleased to have carried the Son of God. I'm going to be assumpted bodily up to heaven. I won't rot down here with the rest of you assholes. And her friends would roll their eyes and say, not everyone can seduce God. The Holy Mother took this to be the highest of compliments. And Peyton Trent? All he wanted to do was surf. Amanda Fuller was the daughter of Kevin, which is to say she was no one in particular. She wasn't even random. God planned for her great-great-granddaughter to bring about the end of a minor conflict in the Baltic states, and so her life had been carefully set up to move in a specific direction. First, be born. Second, grow up in Bexley, Ohio. Third, attend Ohio State University. Spend three years deciding on a major. Meet Matthew Richards, a pharmaceutical sciences major. Get married based on an urge to be decisive for once. Fourth, have children. Fifth, don't kill the children accidentally or otherwise. After that, her life would be her own and cease to be meaningful. But there was a three-month period of her life that was unaccounted for. The June, July, and August after her second year of college was hers to use, and she wanted to have an epiphany. 
Hey, Amanda, have you seen this? Amanda did not respond. She was staring at her burrito, waiting for it to twitch. She'd seen a cricket or a katydid or one of those insects with fidgety antlers and long legs jump into the tortilla just as the person behind the counter was wrapping it up. But she wasn't sure if she'd imagined it or not. So now she was waiting for it to crawl out of the depths of the burrito and burst through the flesh of it. Game over, man. Game over. Amanda, hey, have you seen this? She looked over at her friend Lisa, who was watching YouTube videos on her phone, which was something to be admired because everyone had yet to figure out how Lisa could make out anything on the surface that was more crack than screen. All her friends had started replacing the term butterfingers with Lisa fingers. It was a mild attempt to be funny, but it caught on among their group. And then the school. Then the tri-state area. Then the entire English-speaking world. Linguistic historians would spend decades unsuccessfully attempting to find the origin of the term before giving up and attributing it to Shakespeare. Seen what? Amanda asked, poking at her burrito. Maybe the movement would motivate the little creature to move on out of its cozy little wrappings, to stop munching her rice and stop laying its little rice-shaped eggs. This! She shoved the phone under Amanda's nose, vague, ghostly movements behind badly made lace. She sighed. Send me the link. Smug victory blazed across Lisa's face, and soon a bloop on Amanda's phone heralded the arrival of whatever digital virality had snagged her friend's attention. The video was titled Malibu Miracle, and part of Amanda's soul had to die before she could open the link. Lisa watched, her head one massive grin. Amanda tried to tease out what kind of a reaction Lisa wanted from the expression, but she couldn't get a read. She'd have to wing it. The video was shaky and dotted with water droplets that snatched up sun and became mini auroras. It's one of those waterproof GoPros, Lisa said, trying to take the phone from Amanda to explain. Amanda held it out of reach, not wanting her phone to meet the frictionless fingers. They lost too many good men that way. Did they clip it on a surfboard? Amanda asked as the camera focused on a group of wetsuit, bedecked, genderless human forms paddling listlessly on boards. I think so. I don't know. Shut up. The good part's coming. And then she saw him. Striding across the stillish water, his feet barely wet. He was glowing. No. Shining. But not in a visible way. In a way that stuck Amanda through her ribcage and glowed up her heart and set her blood a shimmer. And then she was shining with him and he was watching her shine with eyes that saw everything. Hey man, said someone invisible. Where are you going? And the shining man broke eye contact with her and looked out to some distant horizon just outside of reality. I'm going where the waves are. The video ended with the tapping noises of water hitting the camera, and Amanda suddenly realized that she wasn't glowing light. She was bone and skin and weight. So, what do you think? asked Lisa. Pretty good, said Amanda from somewhere outside herself. She had about three grand saved up. She had three months and no summer job. She threw out her burrito. Something had torn a hole through the tortilla shell. She booked a bus ticket to California. Bus felt more momentous than plane. And then she was off to become Peyton Trent's first and only disciple. God was a little nervous when Amanda Fuller passed into the gray part of her cosmic plan, but there wasn't much that could be done about that. There was no infringement upon free will. If Amanda went and got herself killed, then the Baltic states would devolve into a half-century-long war, and that would be the way it was. 
Besides, God had a few more pressing matters to attend to. The woman who was supposed to invent the cure for dementia was seriously considering dropping out of school so she could become a performance artist. Not that God didn't want to be considered a, a hater of the arts. God considered them very important. But when faced with the choice between curing disease or running naked through the streets throwing eggs, God had to admit leaning towards the stem fields. So, Amanda crossed the country, watched by no one but the man two seats behind her on the bus. He'd been having problems with his wife and was imagining Amanda pulling him into the bathroom and ripping open his shirt, and no, no, he couldn't possibly, he was a married man. Amanda, on her part, was just wondering why she put herself in this endless bus ride rather than just hop an afternoon-long plane trip. Stupid girl, Amanda thought to herself, always trying to add significance to the moments that don't matter. All you ever end up doing is inconveniencing yourself. When they passed into California, she was disappointed that she didn't feel a shift in the air. She hadn't expected trumpets and angelic choir, but she had expected the air to be different, to feel the tightening of some invisible thread that bound her soul to the shining man on the water. No, all she felt was the pressure of two states' worth of pee. The first month of her holy pilgrimage was an unmitigated disaster. Amanda had only packed a backpack's worth of clothes and had budgeted her trip based on the assumption that she'd immediately find the miracle man and take up residence in his shrine, washing herself in the river and doing laundry with the assistance of talking animals. In actuality, she walked the Malibu beaches for endless days, afraid to move on in case she might miss him, afraid to stay in case she might miss him. She slept on the beaches at night, burned her feet to thick calluses on the hot sand, and hoped to God that she smelled more like the ocean than unwashed humanity. God didn't answer her one way or the other because God didn't like to be rude. It was very disappointing not to find her miracle man, but it wasn't so terrible. The weather was nice and the rain stayed away. It helped, too, that there was an end in sight. At the end of August, she'd go back to school and pick a major and start worrying about career options. But for now, there was the beach and the search. She'd spent hours sitting nestled against a sand dune, watching distant surfers as they slid through the barrels and slipped from sight. And sometimes she'd forget she was supposed to be looking for the miracle man, and she'd just watch the surf and the sand and the seagulls, her mind drifting on the edge of epiphany she sought. It was a good place to drift, halfway between this world and all the others, while her skin was warm and the air smelled like far away. It was in this drifty state that he came. In that golden hour, just before the sky slides into colors that, if one thought about it, were a very strange color for a sky to be, God had always been a little bitter that no one admired the strangeness of a pink sky. He shuffled along the sand, languid and untroubled. She watched him come, but didn't stand up to meet him like she thought she would have. He came to stop by her feet and watched her pile sand over her toes. She looked up at him, happy to feel the familiar glow in her bones. Hey, she said. Hey, Amanda. You know my name? Oh, whoops. He hung his head, contrition shimmering off the tip of his bangs. Sorry, that was rude, trying to break that habit. I've been looking for you, Amanda said, because she wasn't sure what else to say. I know. Sorry it took so long. I was busy. What were you doing? He shrugged. She drew little swirly patterns in the sand on her feet. What's your name? Peyton. Peyton Trent. 
He held out his hand. He probably meant for her to shake it, but she used it to pull herself up to her feet. Are you the second coming, she asked. What do you mean, am I Jesus? She nodded. He shook his head in that Californian way, where the whole head whipped side to side like a wet dog. No, I'm Peyton. Okay, Amanda was a little embarrassed that she'd asked, but it had been more foolish not to. Right? Where are you going? I'm going out there, he said, pointing at the ocean. Waves are good today. She nodded. They had been good. Can I watch? He shrugged. If you want. God watched the both of them, interested. Amanda's life was moving in strange directions, and as was often the case, the path of her life was nudging into Peyton's. They both shifted in small ways. Small, but significant. So God watched, slightly amused, as Peyton turned the waves. And then Amanda caught his arm, said a few words, and they pressed their faces together, smiling as Amanda snapped a picture of them. Then Peyton ran across the ocean, his feet never sinking more than a millimeter below the surface of the water. And Amanda watched him, tapping on her phone without looking at the screen. And God laughed as, back in Ohio, Lisa opened the photo of Amanda and Peyton standing cheek to cheek and promptly dropped her phone. Amanda was surprised in a faraway way that Peyton lived in his mother's house. And she was even more surprised to learn what a fox's mother was. She was the living embodiment of still got it. And she pranced around her house barefoot in a low-cut tank top, unnecessarily bending over as often as possible to give Amanda an eyeful. God couldn't help but admire along with her. These weren't God-given gifts. They were all her own. She didn't seem to mind having Amanda squatting in her son's room and refused the offer of rent. My goodness, darling, she'd exclaim, putting red nails against red lips in mock offense. What kind of holy woman would I be if I took the money of a weary traveler? And then she'd prance over and kiss Peyton on the cheek. Oh, sugar bunch, she squealed. Your first apostle! He'd smiled a detached smile and let Amanda into his room. The ceiling was dripping with crystals on strings. The floor was carpeted with loose pink Floyd vinyls and surfboard wax. So, he said to her, flopping down on the bed and patting the spot next to him in invitation. What can I do you for? She stretched out on his mattress, soaking up the glow of him. I want you to teach me. Teach you what? Something. Anything. I want to see behind the is into the if. I don't know if I know anything about that. She sat up and looked into his eyes. In her head, they'd always been looking at everything but what was right in front of them. Not this time, though. He was looking right at her and nothing else. Well, she said, tracing his cheek and feeling the insubstantial holiness of it. What do you know? I know how to serve. She closed her eyes, breathing him in. He smelled like the universe. Okay, teach me that. Amanda was not a good surfer. It may have had something to do with the fact that she was borrowing an extra board from Peyton, which was the wrong size for her. She considered buying her own Amanda-sized board, but she knew in the part of her brain that was always thinking about the future that she'd never do this again, and she didn't want to waste her money. Besides, using Peyton's board felt like the more significant option. And so she went on being unbalanced and terrible. God was mildly interested in her failures. She simply had not been built for surfing, yet here she was, undiscouraged by each slam into the water. 
Amanda was usually frustrated when she didn't pick up a new skill right away, but this felt different. Like each wipeout was a step closer to enlightenment. Whoever reached enlightenment without suffering, really. And Peyton was patient, jogging slowly on top of the waves while she paddled clumsily beside him. Sometimes, when he could see she was tired, he would grab her hand and tow her behind him. And the first time she caught a wave, even though she lost her balance five seconds later, he smiled wider than she did. And so she tried, all day, every day, to learn to surf. She was getting better, she knew she was, but her time was running up. She'd need months to learn to stand upright for longer than 30 seconds. She only had weeks. So close to epiphany. If only she could stand up and stay standing, she knew she'd get it. Every time she let go of the board and stood, feeling the rush of water underneath her, she could feel it. Right there, just outside herself, brushing against her forehead with whispers of, You already understand. You just need to see it. But just as she felt the beginnings of, Yes, yes, I understand, she'd pitch forward and slam into the water. Peyton would be there above her ready to pull her out and onto the board again. God watched Amanda and Peyton straddle their boards and splash at the water as the wind died down and the sky turned that beautifully strange pink. I'm leaving tomorrow, Amanda said. School starts in two days. I know, Peyton said, watching her reflection in the water. I'd like to come back sometime. Amanda watched him watch her. But I feel like I probably won't, Peyton sighed. I know. Amanda kicked angrily at the water. God damn it! God sneezed. What? Peyton asked. I wish I'd just figured out how to stand up. I was so close. If only I'd taken a little more time. Peyton watched her, his head tilted. God could feel an idea carving a new pathway through his head. A slow smile spread across his face. You know, he began. What? Amanda asked, blinking against Peyton's glow, which had suddenly grown much brighter. There's a trick to it, really. Really simple. Want me to tell you? Amanda hesitated a bit, then nodded. Peyton leaned towards her, whispering something in her ear that was too quiet for even God to hear. God listened hard, but the words were soft shapes that dissolved against the water, gone from the universe. Amanda nodded. Laughing a sudden, full-body laugh. God could feel that this was to be the happiest laugh of her life. Peyton stood up on his board, holding his hand out to her. She took it, standing slow, wobbly-legged and unsure. And God watched, gobsmacked, as Amanda stepped out onto the water and didn't sink. Thank you for listening to Peyton Trent by Devin DeMarco. Narrated by Lorian Reese. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate us on iTunes. Or if you listen from the smartphone app, you can leave reviews on the App Store. This will help other people find us. Just as a reminder, show notes are at judahmahay.com. We hope you return to discover new worlds and ideas outside our current reality. Good night and good day, whenever and wherever you might have found us. A heartfelt thank you from Aeroff Short Stories. Short Stories.